textured hair, natural hair, afro hair, people call it different things. We have um, been taught one way of doing our hair. It doesn't grow one way out of our scalp. It is not one size fits all or one size fits most. If there's any one way we should understand how to do our hair, it is that learn your hair, which is on your head. You can take general principles and try to apply it to the hair on your head, but you have to understand your hair. I don't think anybody's hair is one size fits all, but I feel like that is the approach that has been given to textured hair women, and it has failed them, and they feel like, let me just straighten my hair and keep it moving, or let me just wear a wig and keep it moving, or let me just wear sew-ins and keep it moving because I cannot deal with this hair. And that is something I feel like has failed us over the years. But I believe the narrative is also really changing because like you, Shamilia, there's a lot of textured hairstylists who are up and coming or who are becoming more vocal about taking care of textured hair. And that is becoming very, 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 very helpful. My hair is my essence. The style, the length, the color, the texture, each iteration is me. I know India told us I'm not my hair, but I am. I am Shamila B, and this is where I explore and share on all things hair care. My intentions for hair talk is for the conversation that normally happens in my chair to reach your ears wherever you are and challenge you to care for yourself and your hair better. We explore through conversations with my clients, where I chat one-on-one with people I've worked with for a period of time to accomplish their hair goals. I share my hair care formula with you. We go through my playful approach once we've got the fundamentals down, and then we speak to the experts. So lock in. This is Hair Talk with Shamilia B. Welcome, beautiful people, to Hair Talk with Shamilia B. We are back and ready to share sacred space with a woman whose path is very similar to mine. We entered each other's world a few weeks ago and immediately framed it as divine alignment. Olive Crofer, welcome to Hair Talk. What's up? How are you, Shamilia? <laughs> I am good. I just want to let you know that I'm truly delighted to hold this space with you. And I know we've been trying to kind of make schedules work and set up everything, but I am ready to explore hair care through your lens. Yes, I am happy to be part of it. So I like to start with finding out what is your unique combination. So what are you mixed with on your mom's side and your dad's side? Okay, so interestingly, I'm Ghanaian. I'm from Ghana, West Africa. Mm-hmm. So if um if your listeners know anything about West Africa, Ghana, um, I'm from my mom is from the Volta region, okay. and my dad is from the Eastern region. So I'm a combination of um two different worlds actually, two different worlds because both regions speak totally different languages and um yeah so two different worlds two different cultures 
two different backgrounds. Um, yeah, so my dad is from a place called Begro, and my mom is from a place called Wusuta. So I'm not sure if, if you guys know this, but you can I mean, Google, I'm happy Google to have all answers. of the information. So give us the details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm from two different worlds. My my mom's where my mom is from. They speak a language called Ewe, and where my dad is from, they speak a language called Tree. And Tree is like the most widely spoken language in Ghana, apart from English. So. Most people know how to speak English and then most people know how to speak tree. So you can be from any region, but somehow you know how to speak tree. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's I don't know. I don't know if it's like that in where you come from, but like most people speak English and most people know how to speak Patois, right? Yeah. So we have a broken down version of English, which we call English Creole dialect. So okay. it's it's not as the patwa isn't as strong, but there's still a uniqueness to our identity in Trinidad. So, yeah. like, there is some broken down, but because we were last colonized by the British, you find that we still speak, we still have a strong British influence in our dialect, even our Creole dialect. Um, so yeah. I want to get into your hair care and your understanding of it. Who would you say had the most fundamental input into your understanding of hair and who basically taught you about how to care for hair as a child? As a child, who taught me how to care for my hair was my mother. My mother taught me how to care for my hair because she took us to the salon every Saturday. We did our hair every weekend. So that sort of um, built my mindset around hair care and just basic um, female feminine care. So I didn't have a weekend without visiting the salon or having somebody come to our house to braid our hair into cornrows to look very neat to go to school. And every time we had like a party on the weekend, we would go to the salon to do, you know, do you remember back in the days, those wrap with the hairspray, the spritz, and it was so hard. And then they put like pearls and gold beads in your hair. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Matter of fact, in school, me and my younger sister were known for the girls who always had their hair looking really nice, like always put together. So my mom is the one who created that. My mom had a, a whole, like a mini salon at home. When I say mini salon, like she had a big salon bag with everything that we needed for our hair, from shampoo to conditioner to rollers to um, a standing hair dryer to a, 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 a makeshift washing basin. We literally, you know, it's interesting you're making me talk about this because I've never really said this out loud before. <laughs> I see why I'm a hairdresser today. I see it. We literally did everything. We had the influence of your mom. You're basically saying that kind of took you into your path of hair care. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. That took me to my own personal path of hair care. I think between my sister and I, I was the creative so that's what I, I sort of picked that up and picked more interest in doing that because every time we would go to the salon or somebody would come home to do our hair, I was like the little helper. 
nice. Of course, in school, I'll be the one to do everybody's hair, hair at home. So most people go to the salons. From the way it is set up back at home in Ghana, there's like a little salon on almost every corner, right? So most women go into a hair salon to get their hair done. In Trinidad, mm-hmm. I mean, during my childhood years, I mean, my mom definitely cared for me and my sister's hair. I think only when, <laughs> only when I decided that I wanted to have a relaxer, and I would say this would have been like around, I want to say 16 or 17, is probably when I started to have like routine salon visits and that was just for the relaxer to be applied but the majority of my hair care and turn that was done at home so you saying everybody going to salons i'm over here like oh that's interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people yeah people don't really do their hair at home i don't i don't quite see people yeah it's a lot because you know there's we call them kiosks right there's like yeah. a little kiosk on the corner with like some bootleg hairdresser doing somebody's hair. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> you know, and I call them bootleg hairdresser because they're mostly self-taught. Right, right. Or they're if they're not self-taught, they have a princess with a self-taught person. Okay, you know? gotcha. What landed you into professional hair care? What made you go to school and study for it and do it on the skill that you're doing it? How did you get there? What was like the desire that you had within you? Girl, let me tell you this. So when I when I finished college, I was looking to settle down in a career path that I actually wanted because my fam- in my family, you have to go to college. Like you have to go to college. It doesn't matter who you are. You're not skipping college. So I had to go to college because that's what you had to do. But it's not a thing. College is not what I really wanted to do. So when I finished college, whatever I studied in college to me was nonsense. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to use my college degree to do nothing. So I needed to settle in a career path that I really wanted to be in. Now, here's the trick. Because I have been so I had been socialized. Yeah. So going to the office was like the ultimate thing to do. I started to look into careers where I would like get an MBA because I had a bachelor's degree. I'm like, I had a bachelor's degree in business and um, human resources. So I'm like, you know what? Let me get an MBA and get like a regular office job. I tell you, I applied for this job. Started, I, I applied for this MBA, sat in the classroom the first day. And I was like, what the heck am I doing over here? I do not want to be in here. I just didn't feel comfortable in the, in the space. And then I was living in the U.S. at this time. So um, in the Ghanaian community in the U.S., especially where I lived in Atlanta, the next best thing was being a nurse, right? So a lot of people were nurses, RNs, registered nurses. So I was like, well, let me just see if I can apply to go to um, nursing school. So I had to apply to take some prereqs, to, prereqs at Kennesaw State to be able to, um, to be able to get into nursing school. If I tell you I went to school for like three days for those prereqs, and I was like, I am not coming back here. And then my best friend said to me, Olive, on your spare time, you're doing everybody's hair. Right. Like, maybe it's time you figure it out that this is something you needed to do for money. Right. So maybe you should go to cosmetology school and you should 
like make it a thing. I was like, cosmetology school? Who goes to cosmetology school? How am I even going to tell my dad I'm in cosmetology school? Right. I, I couldn't even get my mind around it. Like I couldn't wrap my mind around it. So then I went and she forced me, literally forced me and got me into to tour three different schools. So I toured Aveda, I toured Paul Mitchell, I toured Tony and Guy, and I fell in love with Tony and Guy. And it was also closer to where I lived okay. at the time. So I toured these schools and believe you me, I didn't even bother going to the so say about I taught the schools in about February I didn't start school until November that's how scared I was to go to cosmetology school wow and when I finally gathered yep yep it took me a while to finally accept the fact that I was going to cosmetology school so I like had to convince myself by doing a bunch of research of people who had done really well with them I started looking up like people like um um Rihanna's hairdresser I started looking up like I literally started looking up people who had done well being hairdressers and I had to convince myself that okay if I did this it won't be useless I won't just I I don't only have to own a salon I could own a school I could um own a hair brand oh I could even be a celebrity hairdresser like so I had to convince myself to be able to do it so right. I remember the day I had to go and take the test to be able to, um, you know, you you take this aptitude test. I had to go and take this test to be able to get into the school. I was literally shaking and I kept asking myself, what am I doing? What am I doing? How do I go to college and then come and be a hairdresser? I literally, because I've been socialized to believe that the only good way to be anything is it was it was crazy. When I finished taking the test and I had passed it and I had been accepted into the school, I had to come and it took me a while. I thought over it. I slept over it. Woke up the next morning and I told my friends, guys, guess what I did? I got accepted into cosmetology. That sort of like weep and start cosmetology. What almost 10 years ago. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's my story. I really want to. I really want to just share with us. Why do you think being is not necessarily deemed a successful career path? You know, I think that society has made us believe that if you are not a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, uh, you know, if you're not any kind of, I think it's white collar. It's not blue collar. It's white collar. I just had to Google that. <laughs> you know, yeah, because I just wanted to make sure I was using the right terminology. If you don't have uh, any form of those jobs, you are not a very successful person. Right. You know, you have to think about it this way, right? We live, we, we are... A product of our environment and what are our environment di di dictates is what we want to, to we want to live according to the standards of our our environment and for years and years and years our environment has 
sensitive that being a doctor is prestige. Being a lawyer is a big deal, you know. And so you are almost, you are socialized to believe that you have to be one of these things. And also society has made it seem like people who become um, hairdressers and in my country, people who become nurses are people who couldn't do anything else with their life. They couldn't figure anything else to do with their life. So they had to become a hairdresser or a seamstress or a nurse or something that involved using their hands to make money, right? right. To become a baker or a caterer or something. So it's almost like when you come out of high school or you come, you come out of junior high, you don't know what to do. You don't have like your head screwed on, right? Your grades are not great. The next thing they tell you is like, well, do you want to learn a trade? Right. Things are changing over time with the influence of social media and also with the, with the professionalism in the industry. You know, we, you and I can attest that we haven't had the most professional space. You right. Know? And I don't, I don't mean to stereotype this, but when it comes to the Black community especially, we haven't over the years. But I think that's really, really changing because people are now actually making an effort to go to school. There's a difference when you apprentice with somebody who also apprentices with somebody who also apprentices with somebody right. who is not professional, right? So that 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 creates this chain reaction of unprofessionalism. But you realize that people, those of us who took our time to go to cosmetology school and learned the craft and came out and practiced all those things, we are a little more professional. So there's there's a lot more of that springing up and it's sort of changing the narrative around what hairdressing should be. Now, and even hairdressers, there's so many courses of hairdressers for hairdressers to do business properly. So not just to go and be a creative, but to also know how to run your business properly. So you could be as a hairdresser just behind the chair, or you could also be uh, um, working in somebody's salon and you know that, hey, I'm not just a creative. I'm also a business person. My numbers are important. My retail is important. You know, all of these things are important. So we're becoming more professional as, as a craft. And I think that's really changing the narrative as well. So I yeah, think that's so, where we are at right now. You broke up a little bit there. Say that over. Yeah, I think that's sort of what's happening right now. Yeah. So you did something um similar to what I did where you went back to your country and you birthed a salon um hair technicians and then you trained a team to approach hair care through your lens. What made you decide to do that? When I finished cosmetology school, I got a job in a hair salon over here and I worked for about a year and a half. And my best friend got married and I had to go back home to be in the wedding and also to do her hair and her makeup right um after that event uh a friend of mine who happens to be a, a distributor for hair salon products approached me and said to me that oh hey his mom has a salon if i don't mind doing hair there for a while i'm like you know what i don't mind taking clients whilst i'm in i'm here their response was so amazing right and People just loved it. And it seemed as if I was doing something different. 
But you know, the interesting thing is that I was working out of another salon right. that had other hairdressers over there as well. And those hairdressers also kept looking at me as if, like, what is she doing that's so different? So that sort of sparked my interest, right? So after that one week, my friend who in invited me to his mother's salon said to me that he supplies products to a bunch of salons, but there's one particular salon that, and she's hired like other hairdressers and she's finding it difficult to manage. So she just wants to let go of it. So I went over there and I looked at the salon and it just seemed like this, the space was set up for me. So I fell in love and I spoke to my family about it and I had their blessing. So without a doubt and without thinking through it, and I can tell you this is the most like out of the spare thing I've done. I packed up, I came back to America, packed up my bags and went back home and opened up a salon. Now, when I opened up the salon, my goal was to eventually train girls who could do hair like me based on what I had experienced in that only one week that I had worked out of another salon. Right. I said that if anybody was going to work with me, they were going to do hair just like me. They're not going to do it anyway. So that's how that happened. I had a similar experience. Um, I worked for like probably like 18 months out of cosmetology school. And every time I went back to Trinidad, I would do my mom's hair, my sister's hair, my friend's hair. And it just seemed like there was a gap, you know, it's like everybody was just so appreciative and they, they, they saw the difference in the way that I approached it and the way that, you know, the other hairstylists at the time that they were going to was doing it differently. You know, of course, in the earlier years of my career, I had like completely different goals. So just like you, I came back and I packed up and I went back to Trinidad. So, yeah, so the response for me at that time, of course, I would say I was very early in my career and I just decided to start and I started with me alone and then I decided to find team as well and, and started to develop in that. But how would you say that you have evolved in hair care from Olive opening, um, well, taking over that salon and then training persons to do hair like you? as a professional, but even in your personal life. So I want you to answer this question from the personal side and the professional side. How have you evolved in hair care? I have evolved so much from slapping shea butter on my hair to now thinking that it was doing something for my hair to now understanding product knowledge better and knowing what to use. So here's the thing, right? I used to really, I used to approach hair care from a very creative standpoint. So it was almost in the beginning, it was almost always about the end product, what it looked like. Right. That's all I cared about. Right. But now I'm more of what the hair feels like, what the hair answers to and what the hair cannot answer to, what the hair likes and what the hair doesn't love. I didn't used to look at hair care from that aspect. It was more of and this is both personal and both professional. It was right. all about what the hair finally looked like. So like for my own personal hair, if it meant that I was going to get my hair blonde in one day with 40 volume, I'll do it regardless. 
that was back in the day. But now I'm like, girl, you have a you have a relaxer. So maybe you can start from 10 volume and work your way up over a couple of weeks or over a couple of months. All Give right. yourself time and do a bunch of treatments in between so that your hair does not fall out or your hair does not look pretty today and tomorrow it is looking raggedy because it cannot hold a curl because it is messed <laughs> up and stuff like that. You know, back in the day, my hair hair care I used to approach hair care from only a creative standpoint but now I I approach hair care from a very health conscious standpoint as well as a creative standpoint so it's both for me now it didn't used to be like that it just used to be about what the hair looked like in the very beginning of being a hairdresser you just want you just want your client to walk out looking good you know, that's, that's all that was like, that's all that's important to you. Yeah, that is a fact. Yeah. So now you're still going to look good, but your hair is going to feel extremely good. And it has a lot to do with them. Understanding the hair and understanding the products that I'm putting in the hair. So not just knowing the product for this, for its brand name, but knowing the details of the products, why the the ingredients are in there and what it is doing and how we can actually do something to the hair that I'm dealing with and the the issues that this hair is dealing with and stuff like that. So it's I'm I'm more detailed in that healthcare aspect now. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way um in terms of hair care. I think I if I had to summarize it, I would say I went from I loved color and then I went into natural hair and then I meshed the two together. But now I'm definitely into just hair care for texture and hair as a whole. So whether you alter the texture or not with a relaxer or a keratin or a texturizer, for me, it's just about helping women learn how to care for their hair. But Olive, how do you feel about hair care in relation to textured hair? I feel like... We have over the years for textured hair, textured hair, natural hair, Afro hair, people call it different things. We have um, been taught one way of doing our hair, but it is not just one way of doing our hair because the reason why it is textured hair or it is natural hair is it doesn't grow one way out of our scalp. It is not one size fits all or one size fits most. So if there's any one way we should understand how to do our hair, it is that learn your hair, which is on your head. You can take general principles and try to apply it to the hair on your head, but you have to understand your hair. So you have to pay attention to the hair on your head as a textured um, hair client or textured hair woman, your hair, our our textured hair is not one size fits all. I don't think anybody's hair is one size fits all, but I feel like that is the approach that has been given to textured hair women and it has failed them and they feel like, let me just straighten my hair and keep it moving or let me just wear a wig and keep it moving or let me just wear sew-ins and keep it moving because I cannot deal with this hair. And that is something I feel like has failed us over the years. But I believe the narrative is also really changing because like you, Shamilia, there's a lot of textured hairstylists who are up and coming or who are becoming more vocal about taking care of 
textured hair. And that is becoming very, 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 very helpful. Two years ago, no, three years ago, not two years. I took a course on um, textured hair, cutting and styling. And I learned so much in that course. I was like, wow. You know, from being behind the chair for so many years, those are things that I didn't even know that, you know, and it's, it was just, it was just such basic and simple things, but those are things that I, I, I never really thought about because as a hairdresser, I failed myself and I also failed some of my clients by going with the rhetoric of the one way that we have been taught how to do hair, slap oils in your hair, um, blend some fruits and put it in your hair, like make a smoothie and put it in your hair like yeah. you know this kind this all this kind of stuff that that has does not necessarily benefit our hair but we've been taught over the years that that's what is great for textured hair because it's supposed to be some complicated hair that you have to do all of this stuff to make it look a certain way or act a certain way so i've just come to realize that the textured hair knowledge is something that first of all the individual who has all that hair on their head needs to take time to understand their hair. And number two, they need to partner with a stylist who understands hair in general and who understands product knowledge in general and who will take the time to understand the hair on their head and to be able to give them the best results. This is what I have learned about textured hair. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so yeah. you have your salon fully functional in Ghana and you're an educator in the US as an educator what do you want to cultivate in your students okay so being an educator and um, working with up-and-coming hairdressers I try to get them to pay attention to the person sitting in their chair and understanding the clients in order to understand the client's hair, in order to give the clients the best results possible. There's a thing about hairdressing. If you're not careful, you will go with the flow. A person sits in your chair and says, I need a haircut. You give them a haircut, you take your money, and they go. Mm-hmm. That's something that I find that students get into the they get into the swing off and they continue in the salon and before you know it a lot of students and I'm sure you know the statistics barely continue to be hairdressers because they don't yeah. feel motivated mm-hmm. they don't feel motivated but I feel it's because there's a lack of passion your passion is determined the minute a person sits in your chair and your interaction with them through a very thorough, detailed consultation. That is something that I try to get my students to understand. Listen, you need to talk to her. I know she I know she scheduled a blonding session. I know she scheduled a partial foil. I know she scheduled a full head of foils, but she may not even need that. Mm-hmm. So talk to her. Look at all the blonde in her hair. She probably just needs some dimension to let those blondes pop. 
because the blonde is all gone in her hair. She feels like she doesn't see blonde in her hair because she probably doesn't have dimension. Maybe you should talk to her. Maybe her hair is brassy because she's using shampoo that she has no business using. You need to be able to have a detailed conversation with your clients. And what that does is that, and as an educator, like I'm passionate about this, what that, that does is it tells the clients that, you know what? This hairdresser actually really cares and they understand what they're doing. And I'm coming back to them because they took their time. Because out of five hairdressers, I can tell you only two are taking their time to do that. Or maybe one and a half. Maybe one and a half. <laughs> you know, consultation process is the biggest part of it all. Because as human beings, we want to be heard, right? Yeah. I want to thank you so much, Olive, for even bringing that perspective to life. Um, Because I feel like consultations, uh, it basically sets the tone for any service. It sets the tone for how someone sees their hair. It sets the tone for just the fullness of what hair care can be. This conversation has been so rich and so nourishing. Olive, thank you for bringing your experience into the light and allowing us to explore hair care through your lens. Guys, this is Hair Talk with Shamila B. Conversations are ongoing. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you.